Welcome to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan. And once again, we are continuing our journey into the question, why horror? Where each week, myself and a different guest jump in to explore this fun topic. This week, I am joined by the absolutely fabulous queen of extreme, Zobo or Zoe Rose Smith. So yeah, before we jump into talk why horror, just say a little bit about yourself, your connection to the horror community and yeah, anything else you want to big up about yourself. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited to finally talk to you. Um, Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know me, uh, go by Zobo with a shotgun. Uh, Sadly, I don't own a shotgun, which, you know, much to everyone's disappointment, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, But yeah, I'm the editor-in-chief of Ghouls Magazine, um, which I know, Belle, you have uh, contributed to us before. Uh, It is an online horror magazine. Uh, all about horror through the female perspective. Um, it's a great, great site. We look at horror, of course, got a great team of of writers, uh, women writers and non-binary people as well. Um, and then outside of that, I talk a lot about nasty, depraved horror <laughs> films, which is my favourite thing to do, basically. Amazing. And yes, you definitely have quite a reputation that follows yourself. And it's always like, I always love whenever I'm listening to any podcasts that you have guested on, because like, it's just like, there's this big, massive reputation. And it's like, oh, no, Zoe's just a delight. Like, you know, she's just like, such a like lovely person. And it's like, queen of extreme, you expect like something else. And it's like, no, no, Zoe's just fabulous and happens to like these things. And what's not to love about that? But yes, but no, thank you. And I, I was excited to have you on for this one because every other guest I've had on so far you know and everyone who has their own answers to the questions I ask they're all unique and interesting and different but you know again you're someone who does tend to enjoy the more extreme side of horror so I'm excited to see how your answers might differ to other people it's going to be interesting and I'm really excited to see where this conversation goes but yeah I always kick it off with this first question because every horror fan has an answer and each answer is different and I just get excited hearing the different answers and it's a good way to get to know people so for yourself what was the first horror film that you remember watching and then slightly spinning off from that because sometimes the answers are different what was the horror film that made you go yeah this is my shit I'm a fan of horror um so the first horror film I ever saw was The Evil Dead um, mm. I remember I I basically was begging uh, my dad for a long time, can I watch a horror movie? Can I watch a horror movie? <laughs> and one Halloween, he was like, all right, it's time to choose one. Um, and the the first one I, I tried to choose, which is not so much a horror, but I really wanted to watch um, Caligula, 
which my parents were like, absolutely not. Um, which fair enough, because it's, you know, there's a lot of real sex in that. And I think I was about 13. So probably not appropriate. <laughs> um, also not sure why I had an obsession with the DVD. I think I just was like, oh, I see blood and boobs. This looks fantastic. I want that. Um, <laughs> but they let me watch The Evil Dead, which my dad has this amazing case, which is like a rubber uh, Necronomicon. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, and I was like, this cute little face thing, I want to watch that. <laughs> so I watched The Evil Dead on Halloween, and it just, yeah, it blew me away. I was like, what is this creepy, scary, nasty, weird film? Like, I had nightmares for weeks about the woods, um, as as you can imagine, based mm-hmm. on, yep. you know, the, that scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, I absolutely loved that film. And I'd probably say for me, that was, I think that was the film that concreted my interest in horror. But mm. I think the film that really kind of kicked things off for me, which is, I'm glad you asked this question because not many people do. Um, So I don't like slasher movies typically, but Mm. I love A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I saw the first film again with my dad and I was just like, this is so good. I loved loved that it brought that kind of comedy element into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we watched the whole... Uh, the whole Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And to be honest, there's not a film I don't love in that franchise. But I think it was that that film where I was just like, this is, you know, horror can encompass so much. It can be scary. Mm. It can be kind of supernatural, but it can also be stupid, like to no ends, like just completely ratchet. <laughs> no, I love that. And like two absolute classics of the like the horror you know the evolution of horror the history of horror like so I love that those are two seminal parts of your own foundation as a horror fan but I love what you said about horror can encompass so many different things because that is one of the other questions that I wrote down because again I think so many people have like different answers to this and I guess I've been lucky in that most of the guests I've had on have answered the way in my head I'm thinking the right way so like you know maybe I've like done well but um (laughs) you know for yourself like do you have like kind of personal criteria for like you know what you'd consider to be this is horror this isn't like you know is it like is it clear kind of black and white one side this is horror one side it isn't or is it more kind of fluid and flux and it depends I I actually think it depends a lot like you know, I know everyone says that horror is very subjective and, you know, that it it certainly is. But I think for me, horror is more about kind of the emotions you get from from watching Mm. a, a film, because, you know, I think like when I'm watching a lot of extreme cinema, for instance, a lot of it doesn't conform to typical horror tropes, you know, it's very outside the realms of what you would see in a horror film. It doesn't, you Mm. know, necessarily have ghosts or supernatural, none of those kind of elements. But what it does have is, uh, you know, that element of really evoking your emotions. You know, some of the extreme films I watch, I'm not like, oh, this has got, you know, typical kind of um, monster in it or a horror Mm. character that's doing something. But I'll watch it and I'm like, this is disturbing the hell out of me. This is horrifying 
in its portrayal. I think, you know, some extreme films, they'll often focus on things like, um, you know, war or uh, war atrocities that happen. Mm. If you think of a film like Men Behind the Sun, that film to me is one like absolute horror. But you could also not class it as horror because it doesn't really sit in the realm of of what you think is a a typical horror film so i so my lines are kind of i'm like well if i think it's horror (laughs) then it's a horror film and i don't care what anyone else says (laughs) exactly and i i feel like that's uh you know my own feelings on it and i like to say it's the it's the mike munzer effect but um Mm. you know it's like that like i'm very much like I will do everything in my power to classify something as horror just because like, you know, it's the one genre I watch everything. So I'm just like, I'll find a way to say, oh yeah, no, like if you think about it, this, this film could be considered horror. Like, and it's just something I like to do, but I, I like what you said about how extreme cinema and scream horror, like something that you watch a lot of how it's, you know, can be very different to what would be typically considered a horror film or you know it sits outside of the genre in many ways and so stemming from that and I think this is like this is definitely a question that I'm really interested to see what your own thoughts on it are because it's something that everyone who deals with watching horror kind of has to reconcile with but it's more I think even more of interesting from your perspective but I want to know when it comes what are your feelings about like censorship like do you think that like you know there's lines that shouldn't be crossed when it comes to what's being portrayed like you know in film Mm. or do you kind of feel that we shouldn't have lines and it's like it's up to you know viewer discretion really yeah, I'm. Uh, I've, uh, as you can imagine, I've got strong, strong views on on censorship because I think if um, if I allowed censorship to kind of come into the, the the world of of my tastes, then I would have nothing to watch ever, to be honest. Because half of the films I watch, I'm like, maybe it should be censored you know like maybe we shouldn't have this stuff available to anyone um so I think when it comes to censorship I think it's really important to kind of understand that you know censorship is it it comes down to like where your morals lie right Mm. and everyone has very different morals if you're thinking of you know what my morals are and what I think maybe is the the boundary that shouldn't be crossed that's probably very further afield than a lot of other people Mm -hmm. um if you think of a film like uh, a Serbian film for instance you know a lot of people have gone against that film and said you know you should not show elements of things called like newborn porn which on paper I'm like yeah fair enough you've you've got a point (laughs) But when you put it in the context of the film and you look at the larger picture of it, I think by putting putting that kind of boundary there, then you're almost setting censorship to a, a personal level. Like who would be the person that says, you know, a rape revenge film, that's OK. But seeing newborn porn mm. in a film isn't OK. I think it's really difficult to kind of set that boundary and it becomes, you know, who who is that gatekeeper that can kind of say, no, nope, we've had enough. That's where we draw the line. So I think a lot of it for me comes down to, I think, I don't think it's necessarily filmmakers. Um, 
responsibilities, but responsibilities of people in the industry, perhaps to put things like trigger warnings Mm -hmm. on film. So, you know, I watch a lot of nasty things. I have some friends that really don't like animal cruelty. I'd never say to them, like, watch Cannibal Holocaust because they're just not going to like it. They're going to have a bad time. It's probably going to really upset them. And the same with like, you know, rape revenge films. For some people, super cathartic, you know, a lot of um, sexual abuse victims and survivors, they love watching those films. A lot of other people, that is going to be really bad to their mental health. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we as friends or critics, podcasters, um, or just fans of the the genre, you know, we have a bit of a responsibility that if we watch a film and we know it has particular kind of aspects in it that we go, hey, (laughs) just letting you know, maybe don't touch this one if you don't like X, Y, and Z, or we're going to be talking about, you know, certain topics that could be quite triggering. And I think as well, you know, when uh whether it's production companies distribution companies when they're putting these films out also making people very aware of the type of content Mm -hmm. that's in those films and that's not censorship i think that's just being a nice human being to other people and going do you know what we can actually give people a heads up and not you know go into a film festival put it on and halfway through you've got some kind of like brutal child murder and everyone's going oh god i didn't want to see that whereas they could have gone hey guys if you don't if you don't like this happening you can leave and go and watch something you know a little bit nicer yeah no 100% i like the way you phrased it that you know like it isn't censorship it's just being a decent human being because I think it comes because that's what it is and I think it comes back to you know respecting that every viewer has their own boundaries or limits as to what they're able to you know view and what they're able to enjoy and some things will be beyond what their limits or boundaries are and that's where why I think trigger warnings and stuff like that are a huge necessity and like you know are in no way a quote-unquote spoiler or ruins the story or the film by knowing that that content is in there and like that type of logic is something I'll always rail against that oh trigger warnings ruin the story and it's like no it it's just a shit story if it does but um, (laughs) but like you know it 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 puts back into you know it's it's an act of kindness that puts back into individuals you know decision making and I think that's you know the most you can do and like on a like a wider more broader scale than just talking about films and this is the one that I'm always Mm. circling about in in my own brain but you know like censorship with film is one thing but if you allow censorship in one way you know that's like a stepping stone to kind of wider societal censorship of people of like you know minority groups like for example literally this week in the UK you know Scotland like put in a vote for like you know a gender equality law and then the Tory English government kind of went "Ah, no we're not going to let you do that and like you know that censorship that censorship of people of people being able to live and that stems from censoring what you find morally not acceptable in media so it's a weird tricky like you know it's a domino effect I think so I think we need to approach it the other way like you're saying of just allow the things to be made but give people the responsible warnings have that responsibility absolutely because we start to we start to put things in you know like personal 
boxes, mm-hmm. which is again like your personal opinion. You know what the Tories? I don't agree with the Tories, of course. <laughs> um, you know many many swear words about them, but like <laughs> that's that's their personal thing Mm -hmm. which shouldn't infringe on other people living their goddamn life like and it's the same exactly like you said it's the same with censorship if one person goes actually you know you shouldn't be doing that or we shouldn't um see that on screen or see that in any piece of media then it's it's just gonna get fucking chaotic isn't it because it's just like you know i i personally um i personally don't like love island but i wouldn't ban it for everyone (laughs) would i because lots of my friends get a lot of joy out of watching trash like that and i'm like if that makes you happy go for it <laughs> exactly and i 100 agree I'm, like, I'm very much in that <laughs> camp as well where i'm just like i don't understand it but if it makes you happy okay you <laughs> but, exactly but then they say the same about my <laughs> obsessive love for horror so it's you know it's a back and forth thing you know just let people enjoy what they want in a exactly. responsible respectful way you know it's yeah. a simple thing but i think stemming from the censorship one because again I think this is something horror fans in particular more so than any other type of genre of film or show or or TV definitely kind of have come have to deal with a lot. But um, stemming like kind of from censorship, I want to know what your kind of feelings are on the whole like when it comes to like filmmakers themselves like so there's the whole like kind of concept of like you know the death of the author like in Mm. literary circles like you know that once the thing is out in the world the author no longer exists the thing exists in its own right and I want to know what your feelings are like that when it comes to films do you think that's like a possibility and the reason that I kind of am interested in this question is because as horror fans unfortunately there are a lot of problematic filmmakers who make horror you know that you kind of have to deal with that and I want to know what your feelings are on it like do you think that you can separate the media from the person who created it or is it more nuanced and tricky uh it's it's a tough one it Mm -hmm. is because I think any piece of media you know whether it's a whether it's a book or a film tv show um you know, even music, for instance, it can be so difficult to part, you know, the creator with the creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really like, for instance, you know, I discovered a, a new band the other week and I was like, damn, these guys are fucking amazing. I was listening to them every day and, I, and I'd never heard of them before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll search them up and I'll see <laughs> if uh, I can see them live. And the first thing that pops up, it was like, you know, the the band have dis, um, disbanded now because the singer um, was prosecuted of rape. And I suddenly was like, fuck, but I love those songs so mm. much. But, you know, then it came on and I was like, should I be listening to this? Am I Am I directly supporting this awful person? But then I guess I kind of went down the route. I was like, look, I'm... I'm not paying any money to them. I'm not going to give this guy any money. I'll never see the band live. And also, I think it's about looking at the work as a whole um, in terms of, you know, that band, whilst the lead singer is a fucking awful human being, the music was made by a group of people, you know, that aren't part of that. So 
I do have to be honest, I'm not listening to them as much anymore. There's one song that I'm like, I can't get rid of that song because I do really like it. But I think, you know, especially when it comes to films, I think filmmakers have a responsibility in terms of, you know, if you think of someone like Victor Salva and, and mm. the Jeepers Creepers films, I I love that film. It was one of the films I used to watch all the time in my teens. It scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a fantastic film, but I would never want to support, you know, any of his further work or anything that he does. So I'm very apprehensive to go back to that film. But again, I'm kind of like, it's not just him that's attached to that film and you can I think you can enjoy a piece of media if you can also respect the fact that it was also created by a lot of other people and that's also their work you know the actors the cinematographers the DPs the screenwriters of these films they were a part of that you know, the majority of those people wouldn't have had a clue about, you know, this one person on set that's that's done awful atrocities against other people. So mm-hmm. I think it's OK to kind of consume media as long as you've got the knowledge. And, you know, like a film like Jeepers Creepers, I'm like, go and stream the shit out of it. Stream it. Make sure you trash it. Like, don't give it any... Um, Mm-hmm. don't give it any money um but it's it's tough it's really tough because you know of course the last thing we want to do is in any way kind of support you know someone that is awful and a- attached to a piece of media 100% I think what you said there I think that's the important distinction and it's the one that I always end up kind of settling on myself is that there's a difference between engaging with the piece of art or the piece of media as it's this thing in its own right and commercially supporting a problematic person so as in like you know like like that with that band or whatever you know you listen to the music if it was the case that somehow the band were still touring it would be a difference between oh I'm going to still listen to these songs that existed before I knew the person was a shitbag but putting money in that person's pocket is a different thing. And it's the same with filmmakers, you know, there, or even, for example, this is the one thing, I, like example I always use, but, you know, JK Rowling, like, you know, you could still, you know, find, you know, some form of personal joy or whatever from like the existing Harry Potter works, if they had like a big part of your upbringing, but that's different to I'm going to go and be first in line to buy the new Harry Potter game you know like there it's the difference between just engaging with the art and being critically aware of the fact hey this person's a shitbag but (laughs) this film was a seminal piece of film history and you know we need to acknowledge that like for example if we look at say a Roman Polanski you know if you know if we kind of say we should never pay attention to anything Polanski's name is attached to, then you're just like, you know, Rosemary's Baby or films like that. You know, there'd be filmmakers who've made films since then who may not have ever made films if that Rosemary's Baby didn't exist, you know? And it's like, it's so tricky. That's what it is. And it's a annoyingly frustrating one. But I think in the similar way to censorship that allowing people to kind of say what their own personal boundaries are and giving them the information to make a decision. I think it's the same with this. Like, so it's just encouraging people to critically engage with the media they're consuming and stemming from that, because this is something I see a lot 
particularly on Twitter and similar online spaces, is I think there is a strong lack of critical engagement when it comes to certain types of horror fans or just film fans in general. But I see this attitude all the time of such and such film wasn't good because it didn't scare me. And I want to know what you think about that. Do you think a horror film has to be quote unquote scary to be considered a good or effective film? I I think that concept is absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that because, you know, like scaring people is really hard as a filmmaker. Like, I think it's really difficult to scare someone properly, especially, you know, in this day and age where we've seen so much, we've mm-hmm. had so much, you know, filmmakers are doing incredible jobs at, you know, experimenting or coming up with new angles to scare us so there will be films but again it's such a personal thing you know like um I was really looking forward to seeing uh Skeenamarink which people were saying was terrifying Mm. I put on I was like this is the most boring shit I've seen in a long time it just you know it didn't work for me Mm -hmm. but that's me like I'm not I'm not scared easily, but if you put a tarantula on screen, that's me out. I'm done. I'm terrified. <laughs> the next week I'm having nightmares. I feel sick, you know, and that's not something. And most people have said to me, they're like, what, you're scared of spiders? But, you, you know, you go and do like a torture event or crazy mad shit. And I'm like, yeah, but you put a little spider near me and I am really fucking scared. So I think, you know, saying that a horror film has to be scary is I think it's a very kind of archaic view mm. I think you know typically we always thought of horror films as as these scares and these frights and these jump scares but like what we've seen in the evolution of horror and, and especially in modern day horror mm-hmm. is you know we've moved a lot away from jump scares the audience on I mean we all love a good jump scare who doesn't it always scares us because as humans we're scared of a loud noise Mm -hmm. that bangs it's just like human nature but we've moved away from that and now we're seeing you know a lot of modern day horror films focus a lot on more kind of human elements like grief and trauma Mm. which it may not make you go like ah and jump out your skin which is a traditional fear but it might be a fear that lingers with you for days Mm -hmm. after you know i think of um Ari Aster's Midsummer. that film you know I lost my mum when I was 18 so mm. anything that deals with grief scares me because it brings up a lot of you know personal trauma and personal fears of a, of abandonment and loss so after I watched Midsummer, I remember like three days later being in my shower just thinking about it being like I am terrified of death and losing people mm-hmm. and I was like that's way scarier than watching, you know, like a jump scare film. Um, So I think, I don't think horror films have to be scary. And, you know, again, going back to extreme horror films, most of them I wouldn't say are scary in any traditional sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, watching someone get kind of like dismembered by a serial killer, well, that might be scary to me. To someone else, it might not be scary to them. Yeah, no, I I like that. And I think... um... Yeah, those like I really liked how you commented on like a lot of modern day horror and the kind of themes that they deal with, and yeah, how like some horrors 
linger and or stay with you for a while afterwards because yeah i think those and like and it's actually maybe even like coming back to something you said at the outset that you know particularly horror fans and i this i think this is where i was coming from when i crafted this question if more people were critically aware of themselves when they're engaging with the films that they're watching you know they'd go into a movie kind of going I'm watching, especially like, say, you know, with the kind of mainstream horror, which is the one type of horror film that you kind of that has these accusations thrown at it a lot. And it's like, you know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, well, if you're like a horror fan who's watched hundreds of horror films, you know, the beats, you know, what's going to happen. So like a standard fair Blumhouse film is probably not going to be that effective for you. But if it's someone that's their first ever time watching a horror movie, it could be terrifying and, you know, and it could be incredibly effective. So I think if more people were just like put on their critical hats and were just like, you know, Hey, I'm coming into this film with an entire lifetimes of engaging with horror it might not be as effective as the filmmaker wants it to. And yeah, like, but then now I'm just like spiraling going, but would it be, you know, should a filmmaker try and have it affect, be effective for the diehard horror fans? But I don't know. That's a different question altogether. But I think it comes back to it that it's like you're saying that it's so subjective. What scares yeah. one person could be completely fine for another and coming back to spiders <laughs> i think that must have been you must have had like had it in for mitch when he brought out the creepy crawlies at our soho horror festival in november <laughs> see that to me i was like i will watch any horror film you put in front of me and then yeah there you saw me i was like sweating and nearly having a panic attack when they got that spider skin out i was like no the spider's out and it's like it's just a skin even the skin i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah. so yeah like you said it's so so subjective and so personal fear and scares and don't get me wrong like i was i mean I'm like dying for like a film that's going to terrify me. Like I I Mm. want to be scared and, you know, I'll often revisit films that I find terrifying, like um, uh, the Japanese original of Pulse. That film gives me the like heebie-jeebies, like just really terrifies me. And I'd love, you know, to see some of these more like really scary films, but horror is such a, I think it's such a cool genre because it can do so much like Mm -hmm. if you think of um comedy films or romance films the you know they they kind of do what they say on the tin they don't often give you like a plethora of different things whereas horror films like they can take you down so many different routes give you so many different outcomes and I think that's like the beauty of horror that it's not just based on fear and scare 100 percent, and i love how you ended that but it's not just based on fear because like i think that links back to something that joe hill the author says and this is a quote that i use all the time because i just think it's so like you know good but you know the thing he says like the foundation of horror isn't fear it's radical empathy you know as in like you want to feel so much for the characters that that's why you're scared it's not because 
the thing itself is scary it's because you actually care about what the characters are going through and I think you know that's why particularly a lot of the modern day horror films we're getting are so powerful because they have so many incredibly nuanced and well-written characters like you know like we all love our you know 80s classics and stuff like that but a lot of those films have very one-dimensional characters because you know particularly if we think about you know you know the Halloween franchise or the you know Jake the Friday 13th and Nightmare even the Nightmare franchises it all came about how is the killer going to kill these teenagers rather than it being about the scares of will the person I care about survive and I kind of stemming from that and I want to know what your kind of feeling perspective on this one is because this is again I think something you do see a there is this like kind of certain subset of horror fans that you see bemoaning the state of modern horror that they're kind of saying oh there's no good horror films anymore and I want to know where you think that particular attitude might come from I mean firstly those people that are moaning about horror I say stick them in a bear suit and burn them um because <laughs> I think you know even just looking at last year like the quality of horror films mm-hmm. we had last year was so good like so good I was doing the ghouls um top horror films and we whistled it down da- whistled it down to 33 and I was like this is not whistling anything down this is a 33 list and that was still us going oh this is really tough to like get down and I think that just goes to show that I think what we're getting now in um you know the current state of horror is we have a we have like something for everyone mm-hmm. you know kind of thinking again about cinema <clears throat> ring didn't work for me but I know loads of people that were like I loved it and I'm like that's great that we have films that some people go mm, didn't like it other ones that do like imagine if we all liked the same thing like the mm-hmm. world would be so dull and I think I think the people moaning about it, I think some of them, I think, unfortunately, are tied up in the original 80s horror. Mm. I think, you know, some people of, and I, I don't mean to be mean, but some people of an older generation, you know, they're so used to the classics and the things that the the horror generate, the horror industry was like built on the foundations. And they're like, why would you move away from the greats like your slasher films that built, you know, horror off. Why would you evolve it so much? Can't we go back to that? And I think, you know, it's fine to enjoy those films and have your interest in that. But as we're seeing, you know, as we have new generations coming through, what is going to be likable to these generations are so vastly different. Mm -hmm. You know, like I went to, um, you know, when I went to see, uh, what was it? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I was like, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre made for a Gen Z audience. Mm-hmm. And what what's not to love about that? Like, maybe it's not the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. but nothing ever, nothing ever will be yep. that film. Like, that's a classic. We love it for it. Why would you even try and match the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Like, there's no point. But remaking it for an audience, a Gen Z audience that will connect with it mm-hmm. is amazing. And I think we forget that we have, you know, my my younger brother, he's a lot younger than me. He's 20. Um, and what he likes is very different <laughs> to what I like. 
And he's not, there is no way in chance he's going to want to watch something like Halloween. He's going to be like, oh, what's this? The effects are gross. Like, you know, it's bad. It doesn't look good. You know, I showed him the Evil Dead and he was like, why is it made out of plasticine? And I was <laughs> like, you're a, he's a TikTok generation. They're, mm-hmm. they're not interested in like old school practical effects. They've got a very different taste. So I think a lot of the the current horror films are, you know, they're catering for younger audiences who are just discovering horror films, which may be for, you know, myself, millennials or people of an older generation. It might not be what you like, but like, isn't it amazing that we're we're creating horror films that are going to resonate and get, you know, other teens that watch Mm -hmm. that first horror film and go, oh my god texas chainsaw massacre you know 2022 that was the film that got me into horror like if we don't have that then we're never we're not gonna have more horror fans it's just gonna be all us as old people like where did the horror (laughs) fans go (laughs) (laughs) i i love i love that image but um, but no that's like that and i love really like how you you know talked about like kind of remaking or reimagining because that's what it is and like because I think there and this isn't just horror this is like an across the board thing when it comes to any of our properties that we're nostalgic for when you when it gets announced that oh there's gonna be like a new version of whatever classic thing that was big when you were a child or a teenager you know there's always that attitude of like no don't touch the thing like hold dear and it's just like well, one thing, the new version of it doesn't make that old one go away. It still exists. You can still enjoy that one that you love so much. But also the hope is that to say Texas Chainsaw 22, someone watches that and they're just like, oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then they look into it and they realize, oh, there's an a whole entire history to this film, to this franchise. I'm going to go back and watch the original one, which I've never seen before. And that's the hope is that by making a version that can hook the new generation and it gets them into it. And then you can, they, the hope is that they'll rediscover the original one, which made their, their new one a possibility. And like, yeah, when it comes to horror, whether it's like reimaginings of classics or it's repurposing traditional kind of tropes but in a new way whatever it is it's all good like all new horror is good because we get new horror fans and that can only be a good thing yeah exactly and you know I I mean I used to be I went through this phase I feel like at one point I was like one of those little gatekeeper pricks when I was probably around like 19 you know I was in my angsty phase um and I remember writing an article for my own blog thank god uh, that was like the the death of what was it, it was something like the american remake the death of the horror film mm. and it was super me being like why are you remaking um all of these horror films and I, I think my original point was more about remaking um you know like asian horror films mm. for, an, for an american mm. audience which you know i kind of still stand by in a sense because i'm like slap your subtitles on but also you know yeah like you said the original still exists but i kind of started them being like you know when i remember when um the evil dead remake came out and I was like, I'm not going to see it. Like, how could they? How dare they? How dare they touch it? And then I went and saw it and I was like, oh, damn, it's really good, though, isn't it? I was like, oh, I really like it. 
and you know now we've got evil dead coming out this april and i'm i'm like oh do you know what i'm so excited because it's something different i can still go and watch the original evil dead like you said it's not going anywhere i can go watch Mm -hmm. that but like it's really exciting that it's inspired this new film that looks batshit crazy (laughs) (laughs) exactly and yeah and i think that just kind of it comes back to that's what the evolution of horror is like you know just encouraging engaging like you know and more interesting filmmakers making films is only a good thing more voices like you know more diversity gives us different films and different perspectives and you know the hope like that's why I just think you know horror fans and I think in general we tend to be good at it that anytime there's new horror we'll go and see it because like the more butts and seats the more horror gets made and I think we're the one type of like you know genre fan that's very good for that like you know other type of genres people will be like you know what I don't need to see that right now it's not crucially important whereas with horror fans we're like no no if if we don't see it now then that means that filmmaker might not be able to make their next film or stuff like that. And I think we're good at supporting other people that are involved in horror, which I like about it. Like the horror community itself is overall a pretty good group of people. It's a good spot. Um, But I think uh, separate to that, but this is something that I want to know for yourself. But when it comes to like, horror films like what are your comfort horror films like you know if you've had a shit day what films do you turn to because you know that you're just going to have a good time with it or you'll get a good scare or whatever well (laughs) I love this question because my comfort horror films so (laughs) in the ghouls chat they're they're always laughing because they're like your comfort horror films are not things that should comfort (laughs) anyone (laughs) and um so if I've had like a bad day, I mean, I don't know what it is, but I I always want to watch something that's like, I don't know if it makes me feel worse or it's like a way for me to kind of like get out all the like bad juju mm. into the film. Because I'm like, well, I could be that guy getting my head decapitated. <laughs> and I'm not today. Um, one of my favorite ones, and it's so messed up, I'm not going to lie, is Snowtown. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. No, I don't think so. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Okay. It's it's <laughs> super heavy. Um, like really, really heavy. It's based on um it's based on real murders that happened in, I believe it's Adelaide back in maybe the eighties. Okay. Um and it's a super dark, dark story, uh, you know, set in a, it's, it's a very kind of poor mm. area um, of Australia. Um, and basically this, this guy, he was like a stepdad to a, to a teenage boy and he kind of encouraged him to kill a lot of people um, in the community, mm. a lot of uh, gay men and, and trans people in the community. And it, way so compared to a lot of the films i watch you actually never see anything on Mm. screen it's all off-screen violence it's very character driven it really shows you you know and kind of like surround you in this world of what it was like to be there and how manipulative this 
you know one figure was on, on mm. this young boy because you know the young boy was i think he was about 15 and he ended up you know killing all these people alongside this other guy and it's and it's a it's a really kind of sad story but i think the film for me it's a comfort film because i kind of watch it and it's so bleak and it's so depressing <laughs> that it shouldn't be a comfort film but i'm someone that struggles with processing negative emotions mm. and and communicating mm. that so I feel like when I watch films that approach these really quite dark topics mm. that I can almost kind of I don't know play them out on screen um it's quite hard to articulate but I think it's it's just a really really well done film in terms of the you know the portrayal that it shows no, I love that. And um one, thank you for like sharing that vulnerability with me. Um I'm glad you felt comfortable enough to be able to do that. Um but no, I, I think I understand exactly what you're kinda of saying. Like there is that like the more surface level of like, oh at least I'm not that guy. Like, you know, that's one way that you kind of embrace the comfort of it. But then the more, as you said, the deeper level is like, yeah, no, I think that is like it's a way of you being able to kind of process those internal emotions that you know our general day-to-day life make it hard for that to happen and so yeah and I think you know for yourself that's like a very like specific personal reason for that one film or why you what you would find comfort in but I think on a more broader scale I imagine that that is something why a lot of horror fans engage with horror as in there is that kind of like just I guess escapism you know like as shit as my day has been at least we're not going through what those characters are going through but on a more deeper level horror as you said it can do so many things it's the one genre that's guaranteed to make you feel something whether that's like sadness grief fear humor it can do all of it and you know going into certain type of horrors that you know, I'm going to get that rush of adrenaline that I'm seeking or I'm going to be able to actually get those tears out that I haven't yet. You know, all these different yeah. types of things. And yeah, I think, you know, horror as a genre is just, it's a tool for a lot of health, good things. And I think most horror fans are good at knowing how to use it well. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I think, you know, kind of thinking of of other comfort horror films is, I think, you know, for me, I I always go towards films that are, you know, darker. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I'll always kind of gravitate towards ones as well that maybe talk about mental health. Again, Mm -hmm. stemming back to that, because I find I process it through it. I think another um, couple of examples are possessor uh daniel isn't real and lords of chaos for Mm. me they're they're all again quite dark cerebral films but they look at like mental health and i'm not saying that they necessarily put positive spin on it but you can Mm. kind of process it as you watch the film and it's almost kind of like a you know, a visual a visualization of perhaps the things that you've been feeling that day or that are going through your mind. And it helps you to kind of be like, okay, maybe I can't. I mean, I tried journaling and I, I lasted two days and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's not for me. I've tried meditation. I'm like, my brain just, you know, I've tried all these, these things. Whereas if I watch films like that, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting them 
out on screen. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, at the same time, I also will look, I mean, other films I love when it, like a comfort horror film is Shaun of the Dead, because yeah. that does just make me feel good. I'm like, I know this line for line and it's bloody brilliant. Like, cheers me up no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I I like that. It's like it really depends on what type of comfort you're seeking. You know, like yeah. that's, you know, d- that depends on the type of film that you'll turn to. You either want to be like held like in a warm embrace by a film that you know so well that like you know there's going to be no surprises you can just Mm. have a fun time or no no I need to go get through some shit so I'm going to watch something that's heavy and you know I like that that's a that's a nice approach to it um so I guess stemming from that and like as a kind of like kind of one of the closing out questions as we start to um tie it off but um, for yourself, like, do you have any kind of like favorite subgenres of horror? Because like I know earlier we said that, you know, it is quite fluid and flux for you. What is horror? What isn't? But, you know, of like, I guess, classic subgenres, like, is there anything that you kind of gravitate towards more than others? I mean, of course, extreme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, you know, that's that's always gonna be my my number one kind of uh mm-hmm. favorite of them all. Uh another another one I really like is I love found footage horror. Mm-hmm. Um that was that was actually I was I looked into found footage horror and that's how I found extreme mm. horror because I was uh, looking for the first found footage horror film and I stumbled on Cannibal Holocaust and then I was like oh my god <laughs> extreme and found footage horror and I was like what is this heaven heavenly delight found um in Cannibal Holocaust funnily enough uh I yeah I love found footage I think um I know it gets a lot of stick because some films are a bit you know wibbly wobbly to watch but like I love the element of realism again why I like extreme because Mm. you get kind of like fake snuff films and I like that I watch it and I'm like oh my god like is this real (laughs) um should I be watching this and I think you know we found footage that's probably one of the uh, subgenres that actually scares me because mm. I'm like I feel like I'm in it um, quite a lot I also really love uh, rape revenge films mm-hmm. I think again I know I mentioned it earlier uh, for me really cathartic yeah. I think a lot of them are fantastic um, and then I I have a strange perversion it seems for uh, necrophilia films which I don't know why, but, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, like one of my all time favorite films is is Necromantic, which, you know, I'm I'm still trying to uh, trying to get across to everyone that it's just a, a complicated love story. But apparently that is a hard sell to most people. <laughs> I love, I love I love that imagery of you just going like from person to person. No, just listen. You're just not listening. Um, but no, I I like that, and I do like how, love how there's like there is that undercurrent of like you know something extreme in each of those different type of like I guess sub genres that you're a fan of, and it ties it back to it. And I think you know every horror fan, even though they like they would they'll gravitate towards the sub genres that do something that they seek from horror in general like you know so whatever it is like you know for me like my go-to subgenres tend to be kind of like ghost stories 
a lot of like body horror and you know mm. I guess some entwined because it can kind of be a bit of both but like home invasion as well like those type of ones are the ones that I gravitate towards a lot because then they tend to be the subgenres that deal with a lot of the kind of themes that I'm I gravitate towards so they they touch on it a lot so everyone has a reason for what they're searching from from horror and yeah I like how your specific subgenres all like have sprinklings of like oh yeah no there's something like there's something extreme and dark in this and I'm just like I like that <laughs> and it's like it's you know night it paints a nice picture um but no that's brilliant but yeah um before I close it out the one kind of I guess last question I have and I think we kind of touched on it a little bit as well and you know horror can do so much but like this is something that I've kind of noticed a lot that you know horror seems to be the only genre that isn't falling victim to I guess like the mass kind of sanitization or the desexualization of our media like so many things that we're getting like and you know the way I like to say it is like you know things that are coming out now just feel a lot less horny than they used to and not even in the sense that like you know you're seeing nudity or you're seeing sexuality on screen um but it's just you know you watch movies like from like other eras and like you know you can see interactions between characters and you're just like the second the camera stops rolling those characters are fucking and I feel like in a lot of the media and films that we get now that seems to be no longer there but horror is keeping that type of thing alive and I just want to know what you think about that do you think that there is a wider kind of sanitization of media going on or what are your thoughts I think yeah I think in terms of wider media um for sure and I think a lot of it stems from I I genuinely think a lot of people and you see it you know within politics etc I think a lot of people are scared of the the progression we're making and the changes mm. that are being made in the world you know we're we're so lucky to be moving and I mean still a lot more to be done <laughs> but we're moving in a really kind of I mean some ways yes some ways not but like progressive way in terms of people can you know explore their sexuality we're not gendering people you can be who you want to be you know you can be open Mm -hmm. you can love who you want you can love more than one person if you want and I think you know a lot of us are embracing that we love that um but I think there's also a lot of people that are really scared of that and I don't think it's always from a place of malice yeah I think sometimes it comes from a place of not understanding and being worried about change you know Mm -hmm. change of what that means for their lifestyle or how they interact with other people how they have to adopt their language and I do think you know as we're seeing and as generations kind of move along we will get to a a much better place more inclusion Mm -hmm. um, more diversity but I think you know people are are scared in in that respect whereas I think in horror horror has always kind of been a little bit more progressive in mm. in that way and you know I mean okay a lot of 80s films yes you know we can say they were misogynistic <laughs> there's like you know blonde uh blonde bimbos with big tits and that's all they're there for which you know agree with it or not but you did see sex on screen you did see nudity on screen you Mm -hmm. had video nasty era where they were showing sex and gore and violence and that's what horrors kind of 
the foundations are built on is mm. you know it's part of it and if you think of even particular horror characters you think of dracula he is a sexy character that vampires and sex if you took out sex from vampires you, have, you haven't got like you don't have vampires anymore <laughs> yeah. they are and they're also you know if you look at a film like interview with a vampire i think in that you've got you know um like a very homosexual relationship mm-hmm. between the two main characters and i know it's not really like very at the forefront but it's there and i think you know i heard mike munzer talking the other day someone was complaining that he that on his show everyone was kind of saying like oh you're saying that every piece of horror is uh queer and i was like well most most of it actually mm-hmm. is and i think horror fans i think we're not afraid to see these things on screen we love it we relish it and i think you know we are as you mentioned earlier as well like horror fans are so nice and inclusive and i mean not everyone but the majority (laughs) are a really nice community of people that just accept people for who they are and do not give a fuck you know who you are what you are like as long as you're happy and you're you like Mm -hmm. and you're a nice person we're happy so i think we have such a, a an amazing community community of horror fans that you know want to be inclusive and um you know have more marginalized voices at the forefront and these stories about you know different people their sexualities all of this so i think we're really lucky in that realm and i'd love to see that kind of like spread out a bit further but i just i think we're getting there and i think it will happen one day um but i think in the horror world yeah i think we're just a bit more open-minded yeah 100 percent. and something that i always say because it's i'm definitely a firm believer of it is you know horror is inherently queer because that's something that i just believe like it's you know horror is about the outsider the other the monstrous like you know and that is what our society says queer people are like you know so that's why I think you know even horror that like you know is says it's not queer there's a queer reading to it there's queer undertones to it like you know so yeah like anyone who says complains about oh stop saying horror is queer no you're just not listening (laughs) you know (laughs) it's time for you to just you know sit down and listen to people who know what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) but um that was like you have kind of already in a way said it but like as a last kind of question um what are your hopes for like horror going forward like you said 2022 was like such a solid year for horror like you know where do you see horror going like do you see it us just going more progressive more inclusive more diverse or do you feel like there might be almost like a swing back because it seems to be that horror goes in pendulums like you know if we look at like the you know I guess post 9-11 like you know the early 2000s and stuff like that horror was just really mean and nasty that's what the horror of that era was and then it you know it went towards where we are now which some people are saying is like a golden era of horror do you think we'll just continue going forward and making jumps forward or there might be a pushback almost uh i think i think we'll always see themes that reoccur i Mm -hmm. think it's 
within the nature of um, horror, especially that we do have themes that, you know, talk to current kind of societal issues. Um, you know, last year we saw a lot of like disturbing horror mm. films, you know, things like Speak No Evil. That's that's a pretty disturbing film. Mm. But, you know, there was films like that. There was like the sadness, quite these dark topics and I think you know a lot of that was off the back of um you know COVID and Mm -hmm. lockdowns and a lot of mental health and then of course the war as well that we kind of beg for different types of horror depending where we are in Mm -hmm. our in our kind of landscape at the time so I think there's always that swing back, you know, mm-hmm. and like you'll see slashers will come back a bit or, you know, as we've seen with like screen re-releases and yeah. etc. But I think in general, I think, you know, horror is continuing to see a rise in more uh, marginalised voices behind the camera telling mm-hmm. stories from their lived-in experiences. You know, we've seen lots more female directors, lots more queer directors, um, you know, and those kinds of stories that maybe we've seen the story and the topic and the theme before, Mm -hmm. but we haven't seen it told from that perspective. And I'm seeing, I think that we're going to just continue seeing more and more of that. And I think that's really exciting because, you know, I mean, personally, I'd love to see, you know, half of the 80s films retold from a completely different Mm -hmm. perspective with, you know, maybe a trans filmmaker making one of the slasher classics from back in the 80s because how different would that film be would the perspective be different you know would we get different kind of topics in there like I think that's really really exciting and I think we're just going to get I mean I hope we get more and more of that amazing and yeah I'm in I'm in the same boat like I'm you know hoping that we're just going to continue pushing forward and getting more inclusive and progressive and I'm excited to see where horror will go like I'm along for the ride but before I let you go and thanks again so much for coming on this has just been so enjoyable but before I let you go where can people support your work and just kind of find yourself if you want to be found (laughs) oh I love to be found I love being center of attention everyone knows that from my (laughs) My random tweets begging for likes. Um, <laughs> I can personally be found as Sober with a Shotgun on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. God knows where else. I'm a, I'm a social media whore at times. Um, <laughs> and then also Ghouls Magazine is just um, at Ghouls Magazine across pretty much all of the channels, except for TikTok. I haven't, I can't do two TikTok accounts. Um, and then I also have a, a little extreme horror podcast called Our Bloody Obsession Podcast, which is just, I think, at Our Bloody Pod um, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and we have a Facebook group because otherwise we get banned for the things we post on public (laughs) (laughs) amazing but no thank you so much for joining me zoe and to my listeners keep eyes and ears peeled for future episodes in this series or more to come and i am gonna just stop